and welcome to my hearth. In the previous episode, I started talking about my Uncle G, and I was saying that his surname was Galifont, G-A-L-L-I-F-A-N-T, and that it was assumed that it was a French name. Now, I understand that the word Galifont has also been derived from Irish, from Gaelic, and that there was a whole selection of Galifonts in Essex. Now, whichever one he came from, he was still equally eccentric. He had the most extraordinary looks. I can only describe it as a kind of cross between Edward G. Robinson and Ernest Borgnine the face that was really lived in. I've already said he was a natural sailor and loved to sail his boat, the Patian, on the river and occasionally I would go with him. He had a selection and always wore a woolly bubble hat which added to his nautical look. Although he sounds rough and ready, he was extremely kind and generous. I knew him for the first 30 years of my life, as it were, but he was quite difficult to get information from. He was another example of that generation who had been told to keep shtum about their lives in case the enemy used it against them careless talk costs lives. I have a feeling, and sometimes memory does play tricks on you, but I think a lot of the major things I knew about him were because my mum had let the cat out of the bag, as it were, rather than him. When we were in Essex, every Saturday morning, he took my mum shopping to Lee. At that time, in the late 50s and early 60s, Leon C. had the best shops in the area. My father, in particular, was always very fond of seafood, and especially cockles. And part of the ritual of Saturday mornings was Uncle G. going to the cockle sheds in Lee and buying cockles for our Saturday lunch. There was also a fantastic bakery in Lee where my mum always bought the bread and the rolls for half the week, as well as the special cream cakes that were a treat for Saturday. So we always had a veritable feast of a Saturday, which sounds a bit weird now, but which is actually incredibly delicious, and in that we had cockles with lots of vinegar and black pepper, with fresh crusty rolls and butter, followed by cream cakes, with, to misquote Enid Blyton, lashings of tea to wash it all down. When one's mother is pregnant, she can sometimes have fads, especially food fads, and for my mum, she always loved vinegary things, sharp things, sour things. 
I think her particular craving with me was pickled onions. And I still eat pickled onions every week to this day. And I love salt and vinegar on chips. I am sure that part of this training for the love of vinegar was the lashings of vinegar that we had on our cockles with the pepper on a Saturday lunch. As you would expect, there was also a very good fish shop in Lee at that particular time, and Mum would often stock up with wet fish for the week. In those days, fish was not the luxury which it has now become. It was a food that most people could afford. This is the days before fish was farmed, so the fish that was in the fish shop was always to do with what had actually been caught by the fishermen recently. Once I went to boarding school, it was quite rare that I was in Essex of a weekend. But when I was old enough, we would often, of a Saturday, go to a pub at Pagglesham as a special treat for Saturday lunch. We would sit outside and have hot rolls filled with something delicious and some kind of drink and Uncle G would be able to smoke one of his little cigars. It's very weird, isn't it, the memory of smells, but I can still smell the aroma of those cheroots. He very rarely smoked a cigar inside a house, but we were so often outside, especially in the summer, that he was able to do that particular craving without causing distress. The other thing that I did like to do when I was little was to go to Uncle G's little house. He and my Auntie Helen had a little bungalow quite a long way up a road. Like a lot of properties at that time, it was a very little bungalow near the front of the plot, but the garden extended a long way back. What I really liked about Uncle G and Auntie Helen was they ate incredibly different food to the food that we had at home. Remember, my mum's cooking was essentially very northern and everything was based around that type of cuisine. It was hearty and delicious and filling. It was meant to keep you going even in the dark days of winter. It also made the best of ingredients which at the time would have been relatively cheap. Now remember that my mum's family were relatively poor and my father's family were relatively rich. So the combination of the two childhoods led to some very interesting things. My father believed that if you were going to spend money, you should spend it on food. So we would often have roast beef in Yorkshire pudding for Sunday lunch. And it was no ordinary 
joint of roast beef, it was always a winged rib, which was, even then, relatively expensive. But there was enough of it to create several meals. We were always having guests for Sunday lunch, so, to me, the joint of beef always looked extremely large, and it probably was. We had everything fresh and very little processed food, although, to be honest, at that particular time, there was very little processed food. Now, with Uncle G, what I absolutely loved was anything that my mum would not have made. One of my favourites was when we had a tin of canned fruit, whatever that would be, usually peaches, but sometimes tinned pears, which I thought was very exotic. And my Auntie Helen used to make custard with sterilised milk. Now, I'm not even sure you can still get that, but it came in a very odd-shaped bottle with a cold top, and it made custard with an extraordinary taste. Me being me, I thought she used to call it paralysed milk, and I never understood what had happened to it. We would also have, as a treat, a tin of salmon. Sometimes with a salad, which included all sorts of delicacies that, as I say, my mum wouldn't be seen dead serving up, Sometimes it was just in sandwiches with cucumber and salad cream. If it was a particularly exciting day, then we might have sandwiches made with fish paste. I thought that was the food of the gods, and I particularly liked the little jars that the shippen's paste came in. If it was close to my birthday, we might even have the extra treat of a jelly, which was my absolute favourite, especially if it had been made in a mould, usually a bunny rabbit. I always thought that Uncle G had a connection to great magic. His bags of crisps had little packets of salt in that you shook. If he had boiled sweets, they had oil of cloves in, or wintergreen, which he called winter mixture. Both my mum and I loved licorice, so occasionally there would be a small bag of licorice all sorts. There was nothing more exciting than taking the square ones and dissecting them and eating each layer separately to make the delight last longer. In those days, adults kept their emotions to themselves. But I do remember being at Uncle G's house when the news of the assassination of President Kennedy came through. And for once, everyone was speechless and just listened to the radio reports. What I remember most about the occasion was that even after the event, nobody talked about it. There was a real sense that they weren't going to discuss it 
in front of the children, i.e. me. Now, as I say, Uncle G was more of an uncle than even my real uncles were. He was always there. He came up to Cumberland when my father died and was visibly very upset. He had obviously known my father for the majority of his life, and we're talking, you know, 50 or 60 years. He was very pragmatic about life, and his main catchphrase was to say, so what, to whatever was going on. My sister Mandy visited him very frequently when he was in hospital himself with his last illness, and she used to ask him how he was getting on, and he would tell her, but always punctuate it with, so what? What was sad was that after he died, my auntie Helen, unfortunately, developed a kind of dementia. Mandy visited her and continued to look after her until auntie Helen herself passed away. And after she died, we discovered that she had, in her demented state, burnt all of their personal papers, including their wills. Now, we knew that they had left everything to us, but because there was no will, it all had to be divided between their relatives, who never saw them, as far away as people from Canada. Had my Uncle G known what had happened, he would have been really angry. But even at the end of that, I know he would have just said, so what? Now I will start to explore some of the other great characters of the village in Essex in the next episode. <laughs>